Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Founder Hour podcast. This is your co-host, Posh. We've got a new episode for you today and we're excited that you made it here. Before we get going, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and then subscribe to the newsletter. Get some new updates from us, some exclusive content, things that nobody else has. And oh, one more thing. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Founder Hour podcast. I'm your co-host, Posh. I'm Pat. And we're here today with Catherine McCord, the founder of Wheelicious, and several other projects that we're going to talk about throughout today's episode, including several cookbooks that you've written and several other like film, TV, media projects that you've been involved with. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. So Catherine, we'd like to start it off with hearing a little bit about, you know, your early days, you know, where you grew up, what life was like when you were young. So tell us a little bit about that. (laughs) Um, So I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I grew up there, um, very Midwestern, Southern, super traditional. Equestrian. Uh, I like taught horseback riding at a camp, undulata. Um, (laughs) But all of that, um, very into sports, super passionate about track, basketball. Name it, I was like a super jock. Uh, five foot eleven when I was twelve years old. Wow! Um, and you were five I, foot eleven when you were twelve. Yeah, wow. just twelve. Wow. So like sore joints, like all of it. Were but you like you, the tallest person in school? <laughs> actually, Amy Katz was taller than me. She was six feet tall. Oh but you know what I mean? Like when you're that tall, immediately they're like, "Well, you're going to be an athlete," and that's sort of how yeah. it's going to be. Right. Are they still in Louisville? Uh, say it again. When you were in high school, it was Louisville still? Yeah, or? so I was, I, well, that was grade school. So what ended up happening was that I got cysts in my hips, mm. um, which still are there today. And so basically, like, all of these dreams of be- becoming an athlete were put by the wayside. And I, um, a friend, actually that person, um, ended up signing me up for a modeling contest. Mm. And um, I ended up winning. At school? Uh, or this is like separate? This was totally separate. This was the Lazarus model of the year, which was sort of like, Macy's. Um, so, but you know, it was like department store or model of the year. And I was doing, um, I was also working for ups and downs, like this, like little, like retail chain. It's sort of, anyway, um, and doing freeze modeling in the Mm. windows, which was very, and this isn't like not even in high school yet, right? No, this was like still like seventh, eighth grade. Um, and then I got, um, Signed, I went into a John Casablanca center. I had gotten a card in the mail just being like, you know, come for classes. And I walked in. I was like, I guess I'm, you know, want to sign up for classes. And the lady was like, hold on a second. And she went and got the owner of the agency. And she was like, oh, we're not going to sign up for classes. We're going to enter you in the look of the year. So the look of the year is um, elite model management. It was uh, on ABC. So it was an international, sort of like what Miss America would be, mm. but for models. And I ended up winning in the United States oh, wow. and going to Japan when I was 13 for a month. Um, and it was on ABC. Mm-hmm. And so it was a real, like, I was the youngest person in the contest. Right. And it was a real, like, we were all adults in a foreign place. It was, it was 
a wild experience to say the least. But then I went right back to um, Louisville and, you know, it was like back into high school. And then I spent the next summer in New York, uh, the next summer in Paris. Um, And then when I was um, a junior in high school, I was doing a job in Miami. So it was like a very much a, like I had a very high school, normal-ish life. And then I would go off and model. Um, And when I was um, doing this job in Miami, I... um, got discovered by Calvin Klein and Patrick DeMarchelier mm. and they sort of scooped me up and they were like, what are you doing here? And I was like doing an underground German catalog job for yeah. two weeks during my spring break. Um, and so I called Elite and I was like, I, I think that, you know, I need representation on this. And so yeah. I ended up, um, it ended up, I was in a, it was a, like a 150 page book uh, in Vanity Fair for Calvin Klein with like Marcus Schenkenberg and Carrie Otis. And it was like the launch of, it, at that time, it was like a big deal. And the next thing you know, I was like on the cover of Glamour and, you know, sort of it all took off from there. And did you end up like graduating high school um, or did, did like, was this like, taking off so much where you, you just sort of left and did this full time? Well, oh, I had already like, I mean, college was super important, super important to my parents. I had gotten like partial scholarships. I wanted to be a journalist. Diane Sawyer was like my idol. So modeling just was this like, it's this thing that took off. Um, But I was much more passionate about going to school. And then once this happened where my career just like in my senior year just like totally took off, my dad was sort of like, look, you have two choices here. You can go to college, have a college life. You know, some of it will be paid off already with scholarships, whatever. Um, Or you can model and you can save your money. And then when you really know what you want to do with your life, then you can do it. Um, and now I look back and I, I can't even, be, it's not in my nature to like want to make that decision, but I just, I, my career was like, I was getting booked back to yeah. back. So I, I, I love that advice it. so much. I, I mean, I wish like a lot of um, more like people were like that, where they sort of saw that opportunity and they understood that College is this thing where, you know, all these kids take these like big risks when they don't even know what they want to do. And it's just the thing to do is like going through the motions of life. Um, So I think that was great. Like once you know what you want to study and it's worth paying that much money to go and get that experience, then then I I think it should be mandatory that all kids should have a gap year. That you should yeah. like apply yeah. to college and then you either go to work, go travel, do something. Because I think that so many kids end up going to college yeah. and, and then really never – I think that you end up not satisfied sure. later in life. I think the, I think senior year should out of in high school should just be become the, that gap year. Totally. <laughs> I think it's like uh, four years of high school is just unnecessary. Yeah. I know. I'm, we, we're on <laughs> right? the same path. We're going to do it. We're yeah, going to well, unite we'll do on it one this. Day, yeah. <laughs> Where did you go to college? I didn't. So I so I ended up modeling. I mean, I went straight into it. I mean, at that point, my my career really hit. I was doing like all the runway shows in Milan and Paris and New York, and I was doing covers of Elle and Glamour and you know all these magazines. And then I ended up doing Victoria's Secret, and so all of this sort of like just took off. And um, as far as my career goes. Um, and once I was doing Victoria's Secret, they were, they, it, it became this like thing where they were asking models to like host show, like host segments. Yep. And because I was always very into sports, um, extra asked me to like be, you know, a, a correspondent mm. and like behind the scenes. So I got really into like what I, my original passion was, was journalism. Mm. Um, so I ended up, um, doing a bunch of things for extra. And then I, um, uh, there was a sh- I got an agent in LA who put me up for this show called The Big Moment on ABC, and I came out um, to LA to um, 
to, to do the show. And that's where, so then my career pivoted much more into like hosting. Mm-hmm. I hosted a show called Love Line with Adam Crow. Yeah, Carole we had Dr. Dr. Drew on the show not too long ago. Oh, you really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I Dr. Love Drew. Drew. He's the best. Drew's the best. He's the best. He's the best. <laughs> um, so we did, you know, so, uh, a few hundred, you know, episodes yeah. of that, um, and so then I, you know, was like into hosting. Then I got into acting, and then back to your question about, you know, college. I ended up. Um, my grandparents were very into farming all of my mm. life, growing their own food. It was like so. I started collecting cookbooks when I was nine. When I was modeling, I was fascinated because I was traveling the world and seeing different cuisines and the way people ate. And I ended up um, going to culinary school. Mm. Wow. And how old were you when you went to culinary school? 20-something, 24, 25. Yeah, so I mean, it would have been like right around the time you would finish college. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I I mean, a little bit later because by that point, I had already had like two careers. Right. And uh, so I was like hosting and – sort of acting during the day with a little bit of modeling and I would go to culinary school at night for a year and a half. How was that experience? I mean, it was magical. I I would take it back to the point that I was going to see the Institute of Culinary Education in New York on 9-11 and I, you know, saw the second tower, second tower get hit, um, was living downtown. It was like this very um, pivotal point in my life where I realized like if I didn't move on with my life and do what I was like, what my heart wanted mm. to do, I would miss the opportunity. And so that was sort of the catalyst mm. for me going to culinary school. I, I had a lot of friends who were chefs and they were all like, just get a job in a restaurant. Like, why would you spend all the money to go to culinary school? But for me, I love culinary history. I, I just wanted like, I think going to culinary school and learning about like, you know, having a spice day and a chocolate day where you're learning about like you know, the history of right. chocolate. Like a deep and, dive into like one thing. Totally. So, um, so in, but culinary school for me was just because I didn't go to college and I think I also missed that socialization. Mm. So I ended up getting to, you know, immerse myself with 15 people who all had a very, you know, similar passion. Going back to like high school um, and, you know, you're, you're, you sort of have this double life where you're like a normal high school student and then you're, you're modeling on the side. Did that sort of force you to grow up a lot quicker than you might have if you weren't doing modeling on the side and you were you were again just high school with your friends and college next like what what kind of effect did it have on your personal life it was very hard i mean i remember like i did it all by myself i went everywhere by myself for for a long time like i think i faked it till i made it with my parents i was like no i'm good i'm so secure i got this and i ended up when i was like 18 almost 19 i like had a like a borderline breakdown and my mother then had to come with me because you have to remember you're like literally like in egypt for 2 days then you're in paris for 2 days back to new york like traveling like all the time and it was really lonely i mean it's yeah. you think that it's like super glamorous and there are definitely moments of that but it's it also really can depending on who you are eat at your soul and you know like i mean i i'm so lucky because my parents are like incredible mm-hmm. they made me save all my money they made me like really stay on the straight and narrow i didn't do dr- drugs i didn't drink but having said that, there was a lot of like swirling around me that was, you know, I, because it all started so young. Yeah. But I mean, I will say to the, like, I'm a very, I mean, I'm good at navigating, like navigating the world and geography and learning cities really quick. So I guess that that would be like one of the, you know, the pluses of it. Yeah. You can find your way wherever you want. Yeah. But I mean, it, <laughs> but it, I was definitely like, you know, I think that it was definitely challenging. I think socialization, that the college experience from yeah. that part 
I think that that's like really what college I think, is. I think that's sure. what's keeping college college still. Otherwise, like they, a lot of people, more people wouldn't go to college and choose to yeah. learn somewhere else. Yeah, because they, you know, they everyone wants that college experience. Yeah. Did you guys go to college? Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, we met in college. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, we went to USC. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> God, USC, like, throws that's... some great graduates. So many people I know. Were, yeah. And, like, anyway. School. Well, a lot of people in LA, especially, I mean, like, in the film or legal or, like, business world, it's just, like, all USC. It's amazing. In LA, yeah, for sure. It's amazing. For sure. When you were going to culinary school, you said you were going just at night, right? Yeah, I went at night. So what were you doing during the day? Modeling and acting and, like, working, you know? I mean, yeah. at, at that point, like, I was still... I mean, you know, there was a demand. Like, it's hard when you're like, mm. someone's like, we're going to pay you X, Y, and Z to work today. You're sort of like, okay. Um, so I would literally like nine to five work and then be in my like chef's whites by 530 mm. until like 11, 1130. Wow. Yeah. It was really wild. Did you have any idea of what, like what was going to come after that? Like, or you were, you're just like, this is something I've wanted to do and to get this culinary arts, you know, degree and. We'll see what happens after. Yeah, I mean, so it, when you look back, I mean, this is a bunch of years ago. So at that point, there was either you worked in a restaurant, not very open to women at that point. There were a bunch of women that were just breaking through. It was like early 2000s. Yes, exactly. 9-11. You know, yeah. it was it was months yeah. after 9-11. Um, or you wrote cookbooks, and that's what you did. Um, like the this whole, like, even blogging, like, really didn't exist at that right. point. So it was like, you know, you were a chef. So I ended up working at, like, Montrachet in New York and Joe's and LA and Patina and Esca. And I worked in a bunch of restaurants, but it was, I was always like one or two, possibly one of one or two women. That mm. was it. So it was definitely like, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to cook. That's, I wanted to cook. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be like immersed with it because I mean, I had always like the, going to the Hollywood farmer's market. That's like what I've done for years and years is the second that I moved to New, um, to LA and even in New York, I was went to the, you know, the Union Square farmer's market to buy my food. So mm. that to me, like fresh food, that's what I knew that I just loved how food was grown yeah. and right. produced. And I definitely want to talk about kind of get into what happens next. But I know we're jumping around a lot here, but kind of going back again, because you, you did, you, you know, f since high school up until that point, you know, you were modeling, you were acting, you were doing all these things. Talk to us a little bit about like, you know, the things that maybe people don't know about that sort of lifestyle, right? Like the behind the scenes, um, I'm sure as, as glamorous as it was, and it might look to a lot of people, there were a lot of pressures in the, you know, in the background and that kind of stuff. So tell us a little bit about your personal experience going through that and what's something that. I guess people may not know that is important to know about that. Yeah, I mean, I think for modeling, it's changed so much. So, like, I admire the girls that are getting to do it today. Like, for me, I was growing up, um, I was on the very tail end of the true supermodel era mm -hmm. where it was just, like, it was models on the cover of magazines. It wasn't actresses. Right. Um, it, it was, it was you, you weren't, we weren't groomed for it. You know, you just sort of landed in New York City, and it was like, okay, go to West 58th Street. And, of course, I would show up at, like, 200 East 58th. 58th Street and be like, what? wait a minute, there's there's two sides? I mean, we were like on castings. I mean, and we'd have to go to like 14 castings a day. I was like 16, 17 years old by myself in New York City. And it was like hoofing it. I mean, mm. I would, I lived with um, eight models and in a model's apartment. And many of them were, you know, like, a, yeah. slight, you know, at times like loco for me, who was like <laughs> right off the boat from Kentucky. Yeah. Um, they were always or, uh, older than me. 
um, I would have like a box of pasta, a bag of bagels and tomato sauce and have to let it last for a week. Um, you know, it was like, you know, you, there's always the, you know, there's the, mm. the hundred models that are super success, but there's the tens of thousands who never make it. Right. Um, kind of like acting, right? Like totally or mu the music, musicians. A hundred percent. It's like so much of it is luck and timing. I mean, I, and for me, like, I always like, I, it was really challenging for me because I hated like having this mask of what was on the outside. I always wanted like to be able to talk and have my personality. <laughs> and I do think that that's one thing that benefited me at the mm -hmm. end because I, I wanted it always to be fun, right. but it, it, it was grueling at times. I mean, the travel was grueling, m like runway shows, like you're flying your clothes off, you know, one after another, after another, because mm -hmm. you're doing all these changes and, you know, you're, and you're having to find somewhere to live sometimes. So it, it was a very different time then. This is like yeah. very pre Me Too. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's one of those things, right? Like I, I can assume um, that you don't really know what's coming in the next few years. Like like you said, it's a lot of luck and timing. So just because you have something really well going for yourself right now, like what's going to happen next year or the next year and the next year. So throughout that time, um, I know you were doing other things, but like did you ever um, think about like doing anything else? Like anything, I guess something that was a little bit more like secure maybe um having a more secure career i guess you know i think that at that time i mean you're being like i really stayed true to what my dad had said it was like if yeah. you save your money you can do whatever you want in your life so i took every single job i never said no to anything i was never sick i was like because i really was like this is a there i i knew that this was a a, a short amount of time yeah and even though my modeling career was literally like almost 20 years mm. because i started so young yeah. and started like putting money in my ira when i was 13 you know what i mean um so you were really good with like saving up and so good at making that. sure that you I, had I, I, yeah. I saved all of every penny because I really in my head I was like for me it was a business I think there were a lot of girls that were like you, you couldn't help but get caught up I mm. mean there was there, there was everything and more that you would or could want um, but for me it was like very much a business so I you know I treated it that way mm -hmm. So um, how did that ultimately pivot into like doing Love Line and, and being on TV? Um, what, what, how did that opportunity come about? So like I said, like I secretly always wanted, I always wanted to be a journalist. Um, not that being a Love Line means you're a journalist, <laughs> but I mean, I loved like hosting and I liked being me. Um, and so like um, truth be told, never even talked about this. Um, so I didn't know much about sex and relationships like when I was a kid, especially sex. Like my parents never sat me down. They were like, okay, so here's the birds yeah. and the bees and the this talk. is your yeah. body and this is masturbation and like this is all these things. So I used to stay up and watch Loveline every night when it was first out. I was like fascinated with it. <laughs> I was like, this was a world that like blew my mind. Um, and... Then I moved to Los Angeles and was like hosting shows and I got the opportunity to audition for Loveline and I was like, I'm going to kill this. I will nail this because I know all the right, I knew yeah, it. Yeah. I just yeah, knew the show yeah. so well. Um, and by that time I was like, I had more life under my, under my belt and, and understood more and was like educating myself more. I mean, look, I didn't get to go to college, but I, so I've always treated life as like, you don't know something, figure it out. Mm. So I will read, study, 
memorize, live it, like any of that. And so like with Loveline or any of the other shows that I've hosted, um, I'm just like one of those people, I'm just like really well studied in it. So well, Loveline- I think you learn more that way because yeah. you're choosing what you're studying. You're not just throwing a bunch of stuff in across 10, 20 different uh, subjects and like here, learn at the same time. You're like focused on something. And it, yeah. and it interests you. Exactly. Like I think especially today, so different, like everything that you guys are doing on, you know, Founder Hour. You And you, once you learn something and you're passionate about it and you love it, you can turn it into whatever you want. Mm. You are the, you are the, re, you know, the raison d'etre. You are the catalyst for, you know, the success of what you want, you know, what you're trying to manifest. Right. So- where does it all end up? I mean, like you have this journalism thing going, you've got the modeling thing going, you've got the culinary degree. I mean, what, what happens next? So I ended up um, graduating culinary school, working in restaurants, catering companies, living between New York and LA for different reasons. And I had, I got pregnant and I, ha- I was like, it was, it definitely slowed me down. Um, because I'm so used to like go go go. And around how old were you at the time? Just I had my first. I had Kenya when I was 34. Kenya is your first child. Kenya is my first child. Um, and 33, 33. I can't even think. But let's go with 33. Yeah. Yes, if I can do the math, <laughs> I was 33. Um, and you know, so I had like careers on un- like under me. Um, and because I'd always shopped at the Hollywood farmer's market and that's where we had gotten our food. And like, I knew when I had him, like, A, I love cooking. B, it was now like fun. Like I had someone else to cook for besides me and my husband. Um, And so I started making homemade baby food every day, going to the farmer's market, like really interested in it um, and started taking pictures of it. And a friend helped me set up. I was like, I think I want to start a blog. There were a few people that had blogs, food blogs. Um, not, not tons by any means. Um, And so I started this little blog called Weelicious. I took these horrible pictures with my like little Nikon camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like someone later was like, kind of looked like like poop more than it looked like baby food. There was no like plating. There yeah, was just yeah. like it was horrible. But having said that, I was writing these like writing these blog posts and sharing it every single day. Facebook was, you know, Facebook was around. So mm, I was yeah. like, Facebook. I think it was, it was probably just taken off Facebook, right? It was yes. like what, 2007, yeah. 2008? Yeah. So yeah. Facebook 2007, exactly. So Facebook groups were, you know, the mm. like there were mommy groups. And really at this time, just to your point, that like groups were just starting. Mm. So moms for the first time had no community. Most women like don't live where their families are. Like, so for me, I'm like, I have no family. I have my computer and I have this brand new baby that I don't know what the heck to do with. I've been such a career person all my life. Mm. So blogging was this way to like connect with all these women about their experiences. And Weelicious just took off like rapid fire Mm -hmm. because it, you know, it became like baby food and like how to get your kid to be a great eater from day one. There weren't a lot of books, definitely no websites um, about with, you know, with the information. And then it kept growing like uh, like it was baby food then it was toddler food then I had my second child and I even was struggling with like how do I not be a short order cook like one family one meal make it really simple uh, Weelicious I didn't take any ad revenue because I had saved from modeling I was mm-hmm. like I don't need to I want to create this awesome community yeah. not about taking ad sales um, which really didn't exist either like I didn't know how, how to find advertisers mm-hmm. right, or right. you know like 
putting ads. I didn't want my site to have tons right. of ads. Um, and then I wanted to write a cookbook. I always wanted to write a cookbook. And so I started uh, writing a treatment, which I, I only had one friend who had a treatment. And I asked if I could look at her treatment. Uh, and I spent a year writing a 100-page treatment. Um, I ended up um, getting a PR agency. So my dad was like, look, you've got two choices here. Because it was like it, it was at a crossroads where I was like... Your dad with the two choices yeah, yeah. always, right? Always. My, always dad, just comes my dad is such dad, a I have two choices man. again. I got to talk to you. Always. No, he, he loves these He loves these calls because he's yeah. like always got, like there's always- right, so you got two choices here. <laughs> yeah. Life or death. So, Make it happen. I mean, we'll, we'll see how that ends <laughs> like next stage of my life. Yeah. Uh, but he was like, look, here's the two choices. Keep the blog going, you know, like keep it mom and pop or, um, or you can spend money, you can hire a publicist and you can really just like go for it. <laughs> I got the publicist. I, you know, started like a, a real plan, mm-hmm. um, and I became, you know, it was just it was quick and easy because she there weren't a lot of people that were like doing family food. There were right. a lot of chefs and there were a lot of cookbook authors, but not family food. So I ended up being on like the Today Show and all of these different TV appearances. Took my book out um, to all these different publishers. Thirteen publishers wanted it. Eight, it went to auction, wow. and I sold a two book deal. Um, and this was two thousand twelve, thirteen. Yeah. Um. So I wrote two cookbooks in back to back years. Yeah. And taking it back when, to when this first sort of started with the blog, like where? How did you even figure out how to blog at the time? Like where were you blogging? Like was it a website? Your personal website? Or yeah. was it? Or, okay. So Came it was, up, was it like I, Tumblr or like it was a? Oh no no it was a custom uh, it was, website. Cu- it, no, yeah. it was a WordPress. Mm-hmm. WordPress. So yeah. WordPress site. Um. I had a friend who, of course, you know, you, my advice yeah. always is like, if you want something. You find a friend. It could be your cousin's sister's brother's boyfriend. Yeah, like yeah. that's you. You ask everyone. And so um, my friend Ming uh, helped me. We sat down for hours, and he's like, "Well, what do you want it to be called?" I was like, "Well, how does this work?" <laughs> and yeah. we just sat there, and we came up. We, you know, talked about the mission. What did I want to do? This is so early. Yeah. Um, and we came up with, with Weelicious, mm. which originally started off as like we, like little little people, yeah, little like, food. Yeah. But mm. what it's become, you know, all these or years like later. We, like W E E we, but what it's become is much more like we licious. So it's much more like for kids and adults, the like community. family food, exactly things kids and adults want to eat. Um, but at this time, you know, he helped me like set it up, taught me the back end, um, so that I could like manage it primarily myself, mm-hmm. um, and just like took my own pictures at that point, like did it, did it all. And then when you started getting like that positive feedback, you mentioned like in the groups, Facebook groups, you know, other mothers and, you know, just saying like, this is awesome. There's nothing like this. Um, did you at that point see it as an opportunity for it to become something bigger, like a business or like a book or anything like that? Or, or, or was it still just like a passion project of yours and you were just like, I'm going to keep publishing content and see what happens. I, I think at the beginning it was just, I'm just going to publish content and see what happens. It was yeah. really a place for me to channel my energy. I was just, I loved it. Like I just love business. I love, I love learning from it. So for me, I was like, I'm going to set this up and we'll just see what happens with it. I, and, but I mean, I'm very like goal oriented. So writing cookbooks was, I mean, I've collected cookbooks since I was nine years old. Like mm. I knew that I wanted to do that. But again, at this time, like anyone can write a cookbook now. I mean, like celebrities have TV shows, cookbooks. But at that time, it was like there were cookbook 
authors. Like there, you couldn't just decide you wanted to write a cookbook. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had to prove with the community, mm -hmm. um, you know, and really like build the brand. And where would you sell the book at the point at that point? Like in those years, oh, like this was. Oh no, this was like uh, so. Harper and Harper Collins did a two book deal. William Morrow. Yeah. So it was at that time. Interestingly enough, because my new cookbook just came out, it's so different. Like then, it, you know, you really only had. Like, you know, like obviously Amazon mm -hmm. and Barnes and Noble book tours. That was like the only way to really do it. Um, I mean, now the game is totally changed. I yeah. mean, I spent years when Instagram first came out. And at this point I was working with brands um, because it was all Facebook. Mm -hmm. I used to have to beg brands, like, please, let's just do some kind of content on Instagram. They're like, we don't get it. We don't get it. And I would always be like, all right, I'll do it for free. Whatever you want. Let's mm. just like try it. Um, but at the, you know, at the very beginning, like it just was like pulling teeth. Mm. Why do you think that was? I mean, like, and what, like, what kind of brands were you trying to connect with? Well, these were, I mean, at that point I had bigger brands even like coming to me. I'm, I mean, this is so, I mean, even though, believe it or not, it's only like seven, eight years ago, mm -hmm. eight years ago. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. what year did Instagram start? 2011-ish. Yeah. So 2011. Yes. Okay. We're, but like 2011 to probably 13 was probably pretty early. Yeah. Well, like yeah. the early adopters I mean. of Instagram. Yeah. They were right. really like influencers. When, when you used to get like three, four likes on a photo. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so you're, you know what I'm yeah, saying? I remember those days. So then, it, but then it, it just started to change. But it took a while. Yeah. It, it really did take a while. Well, especially get, for like, you know, uh, brands to get on it and, and, tried to push whatever they were doing like at the, at those times like it was like those really heavily filtered photos that were more so like your your personal life you know your your food or like the beach or something like that it wasn't something where brands were like heavily on Instagram trying to at all. promote at all. It yeah. was all people. Yeah. There were very, very few brands like grabbed their URLs like when they could or their, you know, yeah. their names when they could. Um yeah, so it was just like you know, pulling teeth. And then eventually, you know, they started to, um, and that's where the game changed. But even like what you're talking about, like, I mean, brands didn't have like social media managers. Right. They didn't even know what to do. There was like no strategy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was the second cookbook about? So first cookbook was Weelicious, One Family, One yeah. Meal. The second was Weelicious Lunches. So lunches has always been like a big platform right. of mine. I was like, say it's like the lost meal yeah. of the day, you know, like breakfast and dinner, but lunch is like, oh God. And yeah. as a parent, like mm. I love that you guys are single because here's what happens at night for most parents. You make dinner, you're exhausted, you're cleaning up, you have bed and bath and all this stuff. And then you're like, oh. I have to make lunch. Yeah. And like it's the it's like the biggest pain point for parents. Yeah. Yeah. But also like in general, I think it is like a sort of a forgotten because it's like in the middle of the day and if you're like running around working, you just sort of forget about it and by the time you know it's like dinner time. <laughs> yeah, it's totally no. It's, yeah. and, but but here's the problem: like for parents, there's when you're a parent, for every child, you are in charge of 21 meals plus snacks every week, seven days a week, 52 weeks a er, 52 weeks a year. So it like like mealtime never goes away. You can forget your lunch. I can forget my lunch. You can't forget your kids' lunch. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then you're that parent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the f feedback you were getting from just the people that were buying this book and using it? I mean, like I'm curious to hear like the stories of people that would actually 
put it to practice. It was amazing. I mean, like still to this day, like, I mean, I, my favorite is like, I get at least, you know, an email or two a week. The probably the publisher wouldn't want to hear this, but people being like the bind of my book is broken. I've used it so much. So I think that the feedback, you know, I get kids that use it. Um, you know, all, you know, my 20 favorite recipes are from the Wheelicious cookbook Mm -hmm. because Wheelicious has always been about fast, fresh and easy meals. They're really simple. They only take like, you know, 15, 20 minutes tops. Mm. This is, this. it's like about maximum flavor, few ingredients. Because most parents, like, un- unfortunately, like a lot of people like went to college, went right into the workforce. Right. And then that desperation of like, oh my God, I got to get pregnant. I have to have a baby. Right. And they, for, like, we've missed the whole like, cooking Martha Stewart generation. Like we are the Whole Foods, fast casual, drive through, Instacart. Like we, but once you have kids, like going out to eat, like is not fun anymore. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just the game is different. So you have all these people that just never learned how to cook. So Wheelish just becomes a big time solution for that. And again, One Potato, which is my other company. I mean, it's like the ultimate solution for most people. Which is what? So uh, three years ago, I launched One Potato and it came off of what? um, Two different things. Blue Apron, HelloFresh had launched, really like focused on millennials, like singles, couples, um, guests meals, but like the kind of restaurant meals that, you know, had big flavors and multi-component. But families were like, I love this idea, but like the food is not organic. It it doesn't, their family box was like, two boxes. It wasn't like for, it didn't work for people that had one kid or three kids. Mm -hmm. Um, So we uh, started One Potato with me and my co-founder, Chris. And Every week, it's uh, all organic. Everything's very DIY. Everything we make is homemade, start to finish. There are no co-branded, like like no, and also no like packaging, endless packaging. You know, because sometimes mm. those companies, most of the time, they'll send you like ten different little packs to make yeah. one sauce. So we make everything homemade um, and start to finish, and we can accommodate two adults and one, two, three, four kids. Wow. Um, and the meals are just like chicken burrito bowls or right. you know sheet pan salmon dinner, and it's just like really easy. All the meals take um, like. 20 minutes tops. It's just talk to us, talk to us a little bit about easy. how like one potato, like the business started. Cause this is something that like, I don't, I can imagine you had never done before, like actually starting a business like this. You, you'd, you know, you had done all these different things and you had uh, written book, but once you start like an actual sort of business where, you know, you have to have a space and you have to, you have, you have a production line or what, I don't know how it works with you guys, but um, how were those early days? And, and I guess what were some of the things that you can remember or that you learned? As much as I've learned about the other careers in my life, One Potato has been easily the hardest. I mean, the heart, I had never fundraised a day in my life. I had never um, had a physical space. I mean, we we were originally out of LA Prep, which was downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we we grew to 200 boxes and like all of our neighbors in LA Prep want to kill us. <laughs> we had boxes just like everywhere, food everywhere. So we we got our own 13,000 square foot space um, in downtown LA. And Catherine, was this, the, sorry, just to cut, yeah. not to cut you off but like were you guys sending them the full meal or were you guys sending them the ingredients to then make themselves yeah it's a great question so there's one potato we where we're different than most other companies is we are semi-prepared so what we're going to send you is um like like i said like a chicken burrito bowl we send you like the pulled chicken homemade guacamole our homemade salsa um we'll send you like quinoa that you have to cook but it only takes like 10 12 minutes so we we make it as pared down like it's for it's for people who want 
want that sort of like Instagrammable meal, yeah. but it's like really hot and fresh. It's not like takeout food. Mm. Everything is like, yeah. it's just like the food you grew up eating that you like crave. Yeah. Um, and so you can get two or three meals. But look, again, like my partner, Chris, he's been in the restaurant business for 20, 25 years. Like he knows, you know, buying, sourcing, because we, we're sourcing from a lot of like... Um, California farms, mm, or because yeah. we are organic, um, but it's it's a beast. I mean, it's we, and we also the math of ours is very different because every yeah. you know that if if it's a two adult three person box or versus a two adult right. one person, so th- it's there's and shipping. I've never like yeah. dealt with shipping. Yeah. I mean, th- so we've had to. There's been so many learning curves. Right. How did how did you and Chris meet, and like how did you start working together? Yeah, so he originally had the idea, um, and his sister said, you know, what would be your like dream of doing this? Because he was, he had two kids and he was trying to, he wanted to do like blue apron for families. Mm. Um, and he said, I would, if I could do it right, I would want wheelicious, like wheelicious meals. That would be like what I think would sell, like be the, you know, the, the pinnacle. Yeah. Um, and so she emailed me and was like, would you meet my brother? And I was like, sure. And literally I showed up at a restaurant. He had oh, one- Was it like a cold email or did you know her? No. Oh, oh I know her. She's, oh, she's, she, okay. I'm friendly with her. Got it. Got it. Uh, he, <laughs> he said, would you meet me? I was like, sure. He, which he said, he later, he said, I was like totally shocked that you even said yes. And I showed up, he had a piece of paper that was just like, like 10 lines about what it was. And I was like, I'm in. And he was like, you know, we both put in our own money. Then we did like some a little friends and family and like just, you know, proof of concept, yeah. didn't overraise. I mean, we watched Blue Apron just like raising hundreds of millions of dollars. And we just said, you know, like we want like pr- to like prove prove it out yeah. first. So it's been it's been a wild ride to say the least. Right. How long has it been now? We've had the company, I mean, since that day, that was like four and a half years ago. Okay. So we've been shipping for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been, yeah. And how big is the team? We we still only have like thirty five people. Okay. I mean, it's not massive considering you know. I mean, definitely like the Blue Apron ride has been interesting. Just watching yeah. like yeah. them IPO and right. fall off the stock exchange, and yeah. so we've in, we've ended up um, we have one potato as it is. But actually, in two weeks, we're launching a whole new line of products also, um, and we're in the process of mer- merging Wheelicious and One Potato. Oh, very so cool. to be like you know have the media brand and also to have the fresh food yeah and i love that and i and i think um you know when he asked the question of like how many you have i think like people often assume that like the bigger your team is the more successful your company is but that's absolutely not true oh. um because the moment you know these big big com- well big companies these companies with big teams run into some trouble um half that team is gone so yeah, the more yeah. you can do with the least amount stay of people lean, exactly. stay lean stay yeah, lean and so. like keep everybody moving during the day yeah. yeah we're i mean we're you know we are pretty lean um and we 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 keep it that way we like it we're like a real family um and i don't know we just it's it's been it's the best it's mm. been wild but it's been the best i mean is like 100 percent of your time spent on one potato so that's a great question. It was, I mean, in the like the depths of fundraising and when it was like, you know, probably two years ago, if you asked me that, it was like 90% of my time. It was right. brutal. Um, but now that we've like been merging the companies and um, just the, some things have been changing like in the best way possible, I have... I really feel like for the first this past like year, I've had like true balance. Mm. 
So um, where do you see, like, the, you know, after this sort of merging of Wheelicious and One Potato, where do you see, like, the company going in the next five to ten years? Like, what is your ideal vision for this? Yeah, I mean, I want to see Wheelicious as a, you know, a much bigger, like, the family food brand, mm. the family brand. Like, that everything you touch um, in your kitchen, whether you're eating it, whether when you're shopping, you touch Wheelicious, and you're like, oh, this is, like, good for my family. I can afford it. I know that my kid will like it. I'll like it. I think that right, right now, when you look at brands out there, there are a lot of single brands, but there still are very few few brands like Newman's Own or Annie's that have had that capability of really being able to spread themselves um, across, you know, several verticals Mm -hmm. um, and just like capture audience. And so, you know, we want to be able to do that, you know, in I, I, if you were going to put it in different ways, sort of like goop uh, for families, you know, where that you, that you are having, you know, like pop-ups and podcasts and, you know, that there's, it, the media part is, you know, a very strong force. Like that, they they balance each other. I think that that's, you know, mm. it's it's important now. Like just right. building a brand and having that brand name and really, you know, just starting. You know, we just built out our, you know, our ten year plan mm. um, and starting with the realistic goals and then knowing that you're just you're just going to keep growing, you know, into the the bigger ones as you go. Where does the new cookbook come into this picture? Like, because I know it was released very recently. Yep. But where did that idea come from? Or you know, I mean, you're obviously very busy being a businesswoman and a mom. Like, how did you even have time to come up with this idea? So I swore after my last two cookbooks, I was like, I, you always say this, like, I will never do this again. <laughs> I was like, I, writing a cookbook, writing a book for oh, anyone right. who's never done it, it is a Beast. I always think about it. Like when I'm reading a book, I was like, I wonder how long it took to oh write this. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like for some people, it's 10 years. You know, it's yeah. um, mine was very fast this time. Luckily, I had written two, so I knew how to do it. But cookbooks are also different in that, like, I, when I read a book, when I read a cookbook, the porn is just as important to me. Like every picture is like mm-hmm. food porn. I'm like, I, I love it. It's inspiring to me. So there is a picture for every, uh, you know, recipe. Right. Yeah. To take it back to how it started, though, um, my son had gotten very sick with headaches and nausea um, when he was eight years old, and this just persisted for months where we couldn't figure out what was going on with him. Doctors, nutritionists, like, you know, I'm wheelicious. Like, I should be able to figure this out. Um, and I couldn't. And um, I ended up reading this book called Cure Your Kids with Food, and it had this little line about smoothies. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, so the next day, I created this chart and it had little pictures of different fruits and vegetables and proteins. And I gave it to my son and I was like, circle the ones you want. Um, I mean, literally I remember like it was yesterday and we, um, the next morning I made the smoothie just as he had ordered. The next day we did it again and again. And within several weeks, all of his symptoms had gone away. Now I will take it back to, this is a kid who never complains about his health. He like always goes to school. So like I knew something was wrong. Mm. When you think, look back at like, why, so why him? Why, why did this, like, why did smoothies? It seems like the most ridiculously mm-hmm. simple and cr- right. contrived idea. He became vegetarian by choice when he was five years old. Really? Um, so I, what ended up 
happening over the years because he was five, six, seven. You know, I want I want waffles, I want pancakes. And what I ended up doing was like every day I just kept giving him more like more bread, more cheese, more eggs, more um, ref- unrefined sugars, but it's still sugar, like maple syrup and honey. Yeah. So his diet became just like bread and dairy and it just was not mixing in his body. Mm-hmm. And so when I reintroduced more like fruits and vegetables and like sent him off on his day with foods that are firing his brain and body and easy to digest, full of nutrients, opposed to the things that like were basically putting him to sleep as soon as he woke right. up. Yeah. Um, and so I started, my husband who has been having smoothies for like 10 years, even when he was working 16 hours a day, five days a week, and he, he makes this smoothie I always call Pond Sludge. It's like 40 fruits and vegetables. <laughs> I'm like, Um, when I was pregnant with my middle child and I was nauseous and really sick, my midwife actually had gotten me on smoothies. And I I had never had a smoothie in my life up to that point. It just wasn't part of my, you know what I mean? This was like- Very L.E. It's now it is, but like yeah. I think the past like you know eight years, you know this was like more like right. Jamba Juice existed, which right. is like all yeah. sherbet, right? Um, like in their smoothies. So I started that like then I had so we were having smoothies every day. The four of us. I ended up having my third child, baby, baby Gemma. She would be on my hip, um, and we'd be all you know breakfast, just having our smoothies, drinking away, and she yeah. would bob her head trying to get at my straw. <laughs> the next thing you know, like we we put the glass, put her. She's like. 10 months old on the table in front of us and she is sucking 10 down ounces down like f- like one, two, three sips. And we thought it was the funniest thing. I started putting it on Instagram, just filming mm. her and people started being like every day, like, let me see baby Gemma again. They thought it was the <laughs> funniest thing seeing this like little baby sucking mm, down yeah, a smoothie yeah, yeah. because yeah. we think of babies as like baby food and like right. the ba- like the Gerber, like yeah. what they've done. That, but like, texture wise, it's like not too different. It's totally the same. Yeah. And it, actually straws are great for oral development, early speed. Um, so it just every day she this started might, having a smoothie. This and, might be a stupid question. I, I just, yeah. I don't know. I just hit me that I don't, I don't really know like the exact difference. Um, what? So what's the main difference between a smoothie and a juice? Oh, that's a great question. Fiber. That's it. Fiber. So when you juice, you're removing the fiber. You're putting it through it. an extractor. So you're just getting like the, you know, you're getting a lot of vitamins and nutrients, but you're also getting the sugar, mm. and it's taking away the fiber. With a smoothie. You put everything, the berries, the banana, the spinach right Mm. in. So, you know, while juicing can be a good option for some people, but most people know because like we need, like, like we all got to poop. And I think that a lot of Americans, even through this like book tour, the one thing I've seen, I've been, you know, people have been interviewing me, vice versa. And they're like, I I go to the bathroom like once every three, four days. Is that bad? I'm like, Uh, yeah, that's horrible. (laughs) Like just have a freaking smoothie. And get a squatty potty. Yeah. Get us. Exactly. Oh my God. You got to use your squatty potty. That is so. He just sent me a squatty potty one day. (laughs) It just shows up in the mail. That is a gift. Yeah. It was a great gift. He hasn't used it yes. yet. It's okay. going to change his life. A smoothie and a squatty potty. Oh, you that's are it. So... Yeah, it's game over. It's game over. So are you, uh, smoothies are mostly like blended, I'm assuming? So yeah, everything yeah. goes right in the blender. You can do collagen peptides, protein powder, bee pollen, hemp seeds. But like these are things that we should be having. If everyone had a smoothie, and that's why we call it the 20-day smoothie project. If you had a smoothie for 28 days, I will guarantee there is going to be something in your body that is you're going to notice some sort of change. Yeah. And it but is this a smoothie, it, like, it, like a supplement? to everything else you're eating during the day or it's just just a smoothie and that's it so we just have a smoothie for breakfast but like i'll t- say and I mean, that's it nothing else the rest of the day 
No, no, no. I mean, I'll have that for breakfast and then I'll have lunch. Got it, got it, got it. For me, most days, like, I. I mean, I could probably go to like three o'clock and like yeah. be full. Um, so it's it like a depends. meal replacement. I mean, it's so funny when people, I hear people, people message me that I'm all just the time. Trying to, is, yeah, it yeah, a, yeah. is it a meal replacement? Yeah. I'm like, no, it's a meal. It's like if you put out all the great ingredients like yeah, yeah, that you yeah, put in your yeah. smoothie. Yeah. So but what I'm saying is it's not in addition to like, you know, they say like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like right. it's not a, an addition breakfast to that. Breakfast and smoothie. It's yeah, exactly. No. One of those. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a meal. I mean, the idea is a meal. So like yeah. even the book is broken into like tropical smoothies, yeah. decadent smoothies, which are still like great for you, yeah. like, uh, you know, very heavy, yeah. but there's a hundred recipes. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. By the way, like Thank we you. both got copies, and it was just Thank like you. I was going through it, and like you said, like just the visual aspect of it is like I, I, I was like I told my fiance I was like I, I we should start like making smoothies because like it was a conversation I was actually having this morning. I was like I'm getting like sick of the same food. Totally. Like I'm just yeah. like I'm bored. You totally. know, like of eating the same things every day. It's like. Let's change it up, you know, yeah. let's do something different. It's crazy. I mean, the stories are endless, like from cancer patients going through chemotherapy yeah. to kids with ADHD to people losing weight yeah. to people just being like, I mean, I think that all women over the age of 35 should have collagen peptides for hair, skin, nails, and joints. Like you just, I think there are so many things that we are not getting from our bodies and especially with illness and, you know, I mean, we can go into, you know, we can Corona our faces off right now, yeah. but I'm just like if you're eating real food you're going to be going to the doctor less you're going to yeah. feel better you're going to be thinner you're going to like all these things it's just it's it's not that it's not like it's kind of like a no-brainer because it hits on yeah. so many different things yeah totally well, you know what it is I, I was watching a video and i feel like the, i don't remember what chef it was but he was talking about the fact that like we don't like season our vegetables well we don't like season anything well so like as when we're growing up as kids like we think broccoli is disgusting and cauliflower is disgusting because nothing's seasoned it's just like you know, steam it and eat it. Like, it's not going to be good, yeah. right? Like, and so now you grow up thinking, okay, like, broccoli's, like, not that good. Like, spinach is not that good. But again, I feel like smoothies are a fun way to incorporate that food without really even seeing that you're eating it. And most of the time, like, I put frozen cauliflower in my smoothie, like, which seems yeah. super random. I mean, yeah, but whatever. it's like, it's got protein, it's very low in calories, yeah. it's a vegetable. So, like, kale, spinach, yeah. you don't taste it because it's always the very. Like, if I was to eat all these different things separately, like there's no way I could do it. I no, know. you'd be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. After the second yeah, yeah, piece, yeah. I'm just like, I'm dying. Yeah, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's filling. Like the other day, like I went to Whole Foods and I got a smoothie. It was like ten dollars, um, exactly. which is ridiculous. <laughs> but like that's another thing is like even it, as a meal replacement, it is cheaper. Like if you just have a bunch of these fruits and vegetables lying around at home, like even frozen, I assume. Frozen is the best. Yeah. So it's like, it's, you're saving money too. Exactly. And like as a young couple or millennials or whatever, I think that it's probably a great way to like, you know, s save some money or spend some or spend less. It's just one of, you know, and I mean, last our, time cooking too. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, our, our, my babysitter was getting daily harvest, which is a yeah, smoothie yeah. company. And she started to do the math. She was like, I can't afford this. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah. was like, it was so expensive. And I taught her how to make like, you know, a few smoothies. She's like, Oh, well <laughs> it just, you just, it's, it seems so silly. But like, like you said, just buy a bunch, you just buy frozen berries and a few bananas or, you know, or whatever there's, it's what, right. and that's why there's a hundred recipes. Cause you look through it, just pick two or three and you're like, Oh, I can do this. Right. And mm. it's delicious. And I feel, I just, it's I, to me, it's like mindfulness. Right. Like you set your intention for the day. If you have the smoothie, you're going to either like have great food throughout the day or you're going to be like, yo, I already had two fruits and three vegetables and it's 8 a.m. Mm. I'm now going to go have mac and cheese and chocolate and feel good about myself. Yeah. So right. it's fine. When you're writing these uh, recipes, are you like, 
experimenting and like, I mean, like what's your process like? So, I mean, this book was very different than the others because I really wrote it for four years. Really? So right. I was like on Insta, people were screen, I would put post right. the recipes every day. I did like, I mean, literally every day and people were like, okay, I'm done screenshotting on Instagram. Like just write a book already. Right. Yeah. So I had, um, I had been testing out these recipes for four years. So when I actually, this is the fastest book I had ever written because I signed my deal in December. I had to turn the book in February 1st. I was a month late. So it actually got in. Wait, wait, two, in two months? 2019. I wrote, yeah, I wrote this book in 10 weeks. Oh, wow. I wrote this book in 10 <laughs> weeks and we photographed it in two and a half weeks during that. Yeah. So I was pretty immersed. And then we did edits um, March until end of August. Mm. And then the book came out, mm. uh, you know, like January 1. Um, speaking of books, uh, we're sitting in your living room and I see a lot of books lying around. So when you're not like, you know, immersed in cookbooks and that process um what kind of books are you reading like what do you what do you like to learn about that's interesting um you know what i'm always it's i'm pretty topical like i mean i read a lot of parenting books <laughs> i mean just because like that's sort of like the life that i'm li- living yeah. and we try to like mindfulness and be peaceful um so i read a lot of parenting books um but then i mean i'm you know some finance books <laughs> i mean i wish i'll be completely real i'm like at that point in my career where i'm working kind so of like much, yeah. work like going to bed at midnight and getting up at 6 6 30 yeah. so reading has been a little bit i'm just it's tough. it's, yeah. it's a beast there's no time, yeah. there's well that's why podcasters are, are there well that's what i said we, we talked about this when <laughs> right. you came in i'm like i'm podcast obsessed because right. one of my jobs i work at the food network a lot and i have to drive there and it's like an hour away yeah. so i listen to Perfect. like two yeah. podcasts a day and it makes yeah. me so happy yeah for sure so what would you say you would want your life to look like in the next, you know, three to five years personally? Personally, um, I think that I'm trying to, you know, continue to like get better about balance in it all. Um, I mean, personally, I'm really happy. I mean, the, the girl that was, you know, 18 years old, like living in Paris alone. And I just used to like be like, I just want my life to be happy. Mm-hmm. I just want like, I just want a family someday. So like, I feel so at peace with that part. Um, and even career-wise, I'm like, what else? I, I mean, there's always going to be more. Right. But yeah. I think it's really important to like stay grounded in what today is. Mm. And whether you're um, positively affecting 20 people or like 2 million, just knowing that like where you are, um, I think that like what the beauty of Wheelicious is, it's incredibly gratifying. And people like you don't realize yeah. like – Someone wasn't able, like family fights over food or someone that's been dealing with an illness or, you know, whatever it is that if you, I, I feel like I, I'm at least able to make positive change. Mm. I love that you say that because it is really easy to like overlook what you're doing and always look to like, how could it be even bigger and bigger and bigger? And that's great and all, but, you know, taking the time to really reflect and not even reflect, but just be mindful of where you are at the moment and, and who you're impacting and how big that how how much that matters is important too. Well, you guys deal with a lot of founders, so I think that it's an interesting thing because of the fact that I, a lot of people, t- you know, people will be like, you know, Casper just started like a few years ago. How did they like overnight success it? No and I'm knows. like, there are unicorns, there are total unicorns. But to me, I've always been about the marathon because I I, I think that like I mean, we I've had Wheelicious over 12 years. Yeah. That is that is that's like a lifetime, and I want that lifetime to continue because. I feel like I'm always learning from people and I don't have one single product. I'm trying to like 
really create a, a like a lifestyle for people. Like I want to see the way my mission is to see the way that everyone in America eats and change that. Like make it, you know, like make it different. Make people love fruits and vegetables and like real food. So my my mission is a little bit different yeah. than the average, you know, um founder probably from that. So, you know, we'll see. Love it. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your amazing story. Um, you know, what you're working on is, is truly awesome. I can't wait to see, you know, what happens next with both, you know, your, your write. I don't know if you're going to write another cookbook at this point, but uh, writing um, One Potato and, and everything else you have going on. So thank you so much. Thank you for letting me thank be you here. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you.